So today we're picking up in Acts chapter 13. For those of you who haven't been with us, we've been studying through the book of Acts. We're 19 weeks in. We'll get done someday. There's 28 chapters. Um, so basically we're picking up in chapter 13 in Acts. And if you remember, basically what happens is chapter 13 started out the third section of the book of Acts, which is preaching the gospel, getting the gospel message out to the ends of the earth. Judea, uh, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So basically what's happening here is it starts out in verse 13. It says this. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Patos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on to Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. So basically what's happening now is Paul, this is his missionary travels, in his travels ended up in a city called Pisidia. And the goal was spreading the gospel of Jesus. So in like fashion, like they've done in the past, in, in the past chapters of Acts, is they wind up at the synagogue. Now, Paul was an educated Jewish man before he trusted in Jesus. So they would allow him into the synagogue because, you know, he was an educated man and he knew a lot of things. And they would actually invite him to speak as well. So basically, it goes on to say this. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent message to them saying, Brothers... If you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So as we witnessed, like I said earlier in the book of Acts, they would go to the synagogues and speak. The religious leaders knew about Paul and Barnabas and their companions. So basically what, what was happening here is they heard about them and they invited them to actually speak. They invited Paul to speak. And here's what they said. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Now, before we get into the text, I want to ask you a question. What words encourage you? What words encourage you? Now, I would venture to say that most of you would agree that the truth encourages us, right? Something true encourages us. For example, if you did not do a good job at something and someone came up to you and said, good job, you'd be like, huh, I don't really think I did a good job or I didn't really do a good job, you wouldn't really be that encouraged because you would think it was false encouragement. You would think they were just being nice for the sake of being nice. Since you didn't do a good job, it would be more encouraging to hear someone kindly correct, help you improve, so that you can do a better job next time. Now, they are encouraging you because it's truthful. If somebody comes alongside you, tells you, here's where you went wrong, here's where it needs to change, and if they do it kindly, that's actually encouraging you because they're telling you the truth. Even if the truth causes us to work a little bit harder, causes us to evaluate or do something different, it's encouraging because it helps us in the future. So what Paul does is he stands up in the synagogue with all these practicing Jewish people, and he tells them, the truth. So it says this, Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Since Paul does this sermon, this is basically a long sermon from Paul and it's over 30 verses. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to highlight under three truths. Okay. You're welcome. Okay, because it would take a real long time to go through all the verses. So I'm going to give you a highlight. So the first truth that Paul 
tells them is history tells us what God has done. So here's a summary of these verses. So Paul gets up in the synagogue. He says to the men of Israel, to the people of Israel, God chose Israel to reveal his plans to bring blessings to all the nations of the world. Israel was enslaved in Egypt and God delivered them from slavery. But after that slavery, the Israelites complained against Moses, complained against God, and wound up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. The scriptures actually said, and God put up with them. Okay, they were a bunch of complainers, and God put up with them. After that, God brought them into the promised land. He gave them judges to lead them and to keep them focused on the Lord and to keep peace between one another. But the Israelites wanted a king like everyone else. All the other nations have kings, God. We want a king. So God gave them a king, and his name was Saul. If any of you know about Saul, he wasn't a good king, okay? He was actually a bad king. They ignored the fact that God was actually their king. They asked for a king. God gave him a king, and that was a bad king. Then God removed Saul, rose up David. He was a man after God's own heart. So Paul reminds these religious Jews all of these things that happened. They know this. This is what they grew up with. These are the stories and the accounts they heard all their lives. They know this is the truth. I can only imagine in a group like this, there were people like, yup, yeah, yeah, we remember that. Yeah, we don't want to be like those complaining Israelites. Yeah, like they were, they were, they were encouraged because he was telling them the truth. Now let me ask you something. In your life, think about this. What has God done? In your life, what has God done? What is the truth about what God has done? The family you have, the job you have, the friends you have, the blessings in your life. Do you realize this? The scriptures tell us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Now, some of you might have a hard time naming what God has done in your life because you think you did it on your own. You think, I achieved, I worked hard. So you feel prideful. You feel smarter and better than everybody else. I've built this little kingdom that I call my life. Or some of you might not feel that way. You might just think, I got lucky, okay? I'm a lucky person. I'm lucky that my life went this way. Well, let me tell you, the truth is, the good in your life is a blessing from God even if you don't acknowledge God. The good in your life is a blessing from God. The Bible actually calls this common grace, that he, he pours out goodness on everyone, even though they might not say that he is God. So it's good to look back and be reminded of all the blessings in your life. You know, maybe right now you're going through a difficult time. And you're like, oh, this stinks. Why is this happening to me? Well, maybe something to practice in this is to actually look back and look at all the good. We tend to focus on the negative, don't we? So look at your life and look at the good. So that's why Paul starts his big sermon with this encouragement. He's encouraging the Jewish people. He's saying, hey, listen, this is what God has done. But because Paul is looking to really encourage the people, the next truth is this, that Jesus fulfills the prophecy. So in verses 23 through 37, we're, I'm going to summarize, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read some of those verses as well. The prophecies 
are true about Jesus, or Jesus fulfills the prophecies. Now, what is a prophecy? A prophecy are truths foretold by God that actually happened. So it's basically God telling us what is going to happen in the future. They are future predictions that actually happen. Now, what Paul does is he tells the religious Jews the truth about who fulfills these prophecies. Now, remember, this group of religious Jews, they would know these prophecies. They would know the scriptures. That's why they came to the synagogue each week. They would learn and learn and learn. And from very little children, they would actually learn. Actually, that verse that I read from Deuteronomy during the baby dedication this morning, that's actually something that the, the Jewish people would know by heart. So basically what's happening now is Paul goes and he, he wants to tell them, all these things you learned, guess who is the fulfillment? Jesus is actually the fulfillment. He's from the line of David. Jesus came into this world, and this is what it says. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. So now he's saying, okay, you guys came here every Sabbath of your life, and you actually fulfilled the prophecies of condemning this man named Jesus. So then it goes on to say this. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. The way they dealt with Jesus actually validated the scriptures. They delivered him up even though he was innocent. They got him crucified by Pilate he was crucified, died, and buried in a tomb. But the truth is, the good news is, is it doesn't end there. What happens next, what happens next is that Jesus rose from the grave. He's the Savior. And it says this. It says, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you good news that what God promised to the fathers, that he's fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So now Paul reminds them of the resurrection they were all aware. Now, remember, this is a group of people that many were alive when Jesus was crucified and rose. So now all of a sudden they're connecting the dots. Oh, yeah. And then he throws down the second Psalm, Psalm 2, 7. He says, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. He's reminding him, this is a prophecy about who Jesus is, the one and only son of God. And then he goes on to quote two more scriptures, and he says this, And as, far, as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. So now what's going on is this. Paul quotes two other scriptures. 
for these religious Jewish people. Isaiah 55.3 and Psalm 16.10, which many of the Jewish people thought was about David. Paul says, the truth is, it's actually not about David. David's not the holy one that did not see corruption. Jesus is the holy one that did not see corruption. Because then here's what he says. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he who God raised up did not see corruption. So this leads Paul really to the last truth. So now if this is all true, if this is all true, what, what happened here? If Jesus fulfills these prophecies, there's actually a response demanded. There's actually a response demanded, which the final truth is this. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. So this is what Paul says to them. He says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Now, what does this mean? Well, the truth is, we all have a choice to believe in Jesus. You know, in your life, evaluate. What are you choosing to believe? We all believe something, don't we? We all believe something. What are you choosing to believe? The religious Jews at that time believed that if they followed the law of Moses, if they kept in line, that God would accept them. It was basically what they were believing. So now Paul's here saying, hey, listen, I got something for you that the law of Moses can never do. And that's free you from your sin, that offer you forgiveness to your sin. See, the truth of the gospel is, is we are all sinners. It's not a popular message. People don't want to believe that they do stuff wrong. We don't want to believe that we do stuff wrong. But the truth is, we are all sinners, and we need to be forgiven of that sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was paying the price for our sins. When Jesus rose from the grave, he was showing that he could actually pay the price for our sins, that he could actually forgive us of our sins because he is the all-powerful God. He did something that the law of Moses could never do. You know, some people believe, like, if I'm a really good person, if I'm a better person, then I'm, if, if all my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then God will accept me. Well, that is so far from the truth. The truth is, we can never be good enough to enter into heaven. But Jesus was the perfect savior and sacrifice to offer us entrance into heaven when we trust in him. You see, the words of encouragement Paul shares is Jesus frees us from the penalty of our sins. You know, these were religious people. They understood sin. They desired to be free. They weren't there every Sabbath morning because they didn't believe in sin. They believed in sin. They realized sin was real. They believed in God. They realized he's real, but they missed a lot of the prophecies. They didn't connect the dots. So Paul was invited for words of encouragement, and he said, I'm connecting the dots for you. The truth is, we all need Jesus. So then he says this. Paul says, don't go brushing this off. Don't brush it off. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish. 
For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if someone tells you. So now Paul says, he quotes Habakkuk 1.5, which they all knew, letting them know, don't fall into the trap of not believing and scoffing at the message of Jesus. Don't think you don't need Jesus because you do. Don't put this choice off. Don't act like it's not true just because you don't believe it, is basically what he's saying. He's saying, listen, it's there, it's true. I mean, sometimes in life, right, we don't want to believe something's real, but it's real, right? I don't want to believe I'm sick, but I'm sick. I don't want to believe I have to go to the hospital, but I have to go. I mean, some of you might even do that. You might put off, I don't want to go to the doctor. Why not? I don't want to find out if anything's wrong. Well, that doesn't mean that something's not wrong, right? It still could be wrong. You just don't know about it. Well, now you know about Jesus. That's what Paul's saying to them. I'm connecting all the dots. So the truth that Paul encouraged them with was the history of what God has done, that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies, and that they all have a choice. But then what happens next is the ten, in the next 10 verses, of the last 10 verses of, of chapter uh, 13 is this. There's a mixed response. Because anytime you throw down something like this, there's always going to be a mixed response. There's going to be people that have questions. So there were some devout Jewish people that believed and followed. This is the first group. There were devout Jews that believed and followed. They, they heard them, and they were like, that connected the dots. All the things I learned all my life. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So they wanted to hear more. So they said, hey, listen, can you guys come back next Sabbath day? Okay, next Saturday, same place, same time. So here's what happens. We fast forward in the text. It says, when they came back, there was such a large, large crowd that almost the whole city came. So now all of a sudden, Paul and Barnabas, they start a little problem here, right? For, you know, space problem. But not only that, all of a sudden, all these religious Jewish people, some were interested, but there were some leaders that weren't that interested. So they're the next group. The Jewish leaders were jealous and they reviled. Meaning this, they criticized Paul and Barnabas and their teaching about Jesus. They were jealous and they reviled. Which then inspired Paul to tell them that by standing against the teaching about Jesus actually fulfills more prophecies. That Paul and Barnabas would now bring the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. And that's what we've been dealing with in Acts, right? The message of Jesus is going to the non-Jewish, the non-Jewish connected people, to the Gentile nations. And guess what? That's us, right? The Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. So this was actually, them standing against it actually fulfilled more prophecies. Which is a quote, and it says this, from Isaiah 49, 6. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So this is where it gets a little more interesting, because now there's another group that we're listening in. Remember, almost the whole city came. The Gentiles, the Gentiles rejoiced and believed. The Gentiles rejoiced and believed. This really led to that response of them looking and saying, we can believe this? Like, this isn't an exclusive Jewish thing? 
Like, you mean everybody can believe in Jesus? This is one of the things, one of the best things about Christianity. It's not excluding of anybody. It's not exclusive. It's open to all, no matter where you're from, no matter what town you live in, no matter what country you live in, no matter what your upbringing, religious upbringing, guess what? Everyone can trust in Jesus. Well, this became a problem for a lot of the Jewish leaders, and here's what happened. The final group, the last two lines, Jewish leaders persecuted Paul and Barnabas. They ran them out of town. They ran them out of town. And as we study through and we continue to study through the book of Acts, this is a pretty common response. They run these guys out of town. They run these guys out of town. Well, when we tell the truth about Jesus, there's always going to be mixed responses, right? When we tell the truth, when you, when you go to work, when you talk to family members, when you talk to friends, there's always going to be mixed responses, isn't there? Some will joyfully agree, yeah, I like that. That sounds awesome. Forgiveness of sins, salvation, heaven, paradise, all sounds good. Check, 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 right? People joyfully respond. Some people will want to hear more, right? They'll, they'll be like, come back. Tell me more about this. They're not antagonistic. They're not debating you. They're not arguing with you, right? They're, they're the type of people, they want to hear more. Ah, you know what? Things are going like pretty good in my life, and, and I want to know where that's coming from. Or, ooh, things are going pretty bad in my life. I want to know how I can deal with that. They might see the fact that you live the way that you do, and they might be intrigued or interested. And they might ask. They want to hear more. Some may be jealous. Some people might just be jealous. You know, there's, you know that there's, there's people out there that are not happy for you? Have you ever met them? Okay. There's some people, they're just so miserable that they're not happy for you. And they might be jealous that you're settled in your own belief system. They might be jealous. They're not there, so they're jealous. Or some may criticize. Some may be like, eh, that Christianity stuff. Eh, I don't believe that stuff. Savior dying for us. I don't believe that. They criticize. These are tough people, right? When you talk to those people, they're antagonistic. They're always kind of looking for an angle. They criticize. But some may actually persecute. Now, I want to remind you of something. We live in the United States of America. It is a very, very good place to live. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay, some of you are like, oh, well, the political divide, and this and that, blah, blah. <laughs> Nobody's persecuting us. I'm allowed to come up here and preach God's word to you. You're allowed to own a copy of God's word. You're allowed to pray. You're allowed to do all these different things. There's communist countries and other countries in this world where those things are not legal, okay? We have it pretty good. We have it pretty good. Let's not get into the vein of complaining about things that we don't agree with necessarily. Some people may persecute you for being a Christian, probably not going to kill you. They're probably not even going to beat you up, okay? But they might mock you. They might laugh at you. Let me tell you this. The response that other people have should not discourage you from encouraging others with the truth of Jesus. Let me say that again. The response that other people have should not discourage you from encouraging others with the truth of Jesus. About Jesus. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. We're thankful that we can see this sermon from Paul and these religious Jewish people and how he connects the dots about the truth, about who Jesus is and what he's done. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you've given each one of us a choice to trust in you. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that hasn't made that choice, that they would start asking themselves the tough questions. Faith is a personal thing that they need to settle on their own. I pray that they would start asking the questions. They would ask you the questions. They would ask you to reveal yourself to them. I pray for each one of those of us who do trust you. I pray that as we go and tell other people, as we have conversations with them and tell them about the love and the grace that you give through your son, Jesus, I pray that no matter their response, that we're not discouraged, that we handle things properly, and we are good messengers and good testimonies of your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.